0: I'm Grant
1: and I'm Elena. and
0: welcome to History Honeys. The
1: podcast where a married couple teaches each other about cool stuff in the past.
0: That's right, we have a license to be well read.
1: Did you use that one before?
0: <sighs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> Glad you had one this time though. you surprised me.
0: I'm not very happy about how this bit's gone. No. Let's talk about things that make us happy instead. Okay,
1: well, today, we are coming back. To a reoccurring topic. Oh? We are continuing our Disney series. Oh,
0: so let me guess, Animal Kingdom. No! Oh, what? well, what's next then?
1: I'm letting Animal Kingdom get older, so there's more history. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today is some lost Disney. Oh! Specifically, things at Walt Disney World that did exist and that don't now. Mm -hmm. But that aren't in any of the parks that we've already talked about.
0: Any stuff that, like, almost existed? Some stuff
1: that almost existed, too. Okay. But a bigger focus on things that did... did, but don't. But don't. No mo. Yeah. Cool. And that are not in Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios. So... Or that
0: darn whippersnapper.
1: (laughs) Of Animal Kingdom. Those youngins and their animals. What we're going to talk about first, actually... Is kind of like the predecessor to Animal Kingdom. Oh, well,
0: let's get right to it.
1: So we're going to talk about Discovery Island first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discovery Island is an island in Bay Lake. Uh, it's about 11 and a half acres.
0: And Bay Lake, that's the, the big lake in the middle.
1: The Contemporary Resort sits I'll, on it. I'll well, and Fort Wilderness Lodge and Campground. But yeah, that's that's the big Bay Lake. Discovery Island is... Well, not right in the middle of it, but kind of. It's kind of off to the side, but it's in the middle.
0: That is what keeps it from being Discovery Peninsula, Uh, yes. It's in the middle.
1: Well, it's not like dead in the middle. It's just, (laughs) it's like three quarters in the middle. Sure, sure. So it operated as an attraction from 1974 to 1999. Uh, It was basically like, kind of like a nature preserve zoo? A thing where it had some animals and it had birds, um, and a big part of it was just the nature environment.
0: Crocodiles.
1: Not a specific attraction, but you know what? They were probably around.
0: (laughs) Well, it's more likely they had alligators. What's
1: up? You just crocodiled alligators (laughs) me. You jerk. I was busy thinking about stuff, and then you just swooped that's rude, <laughs> rude, so anyways, because of this with the animals and the design and all that, it can kind of be seen as an animal kingdom on a very, very different scale,
0: yeah, an eleven acre scale <laughs>
1: yes, um, so the island itself was bought bought by Walt Disney in the nineteen sixty five like property grab that was happening mm-hmm.
0: For more on that, listen to the Magic Kingdom episode. Yes, yes.
1: It had previously uh, been owned by a family, and they had been living on it, and was called Raz Island until about 1937.
0: Were they the Raz family by any chance? Ah, I see.
1: And then from the 30s to the 50s, a man by the name of Delmore Nicholson, who was apparently Florida's first disc jockey, uh, owned (laughs) the island and lived on it with his wife and pet Crane. (laughs) And then, coming
0: it- at you live from Raz Island, <laughs> spinning all the hits of the '30s, and that's it because we don't have well, any other hits. He
1: changed the name; it was called Isle Bay Island.
0: Isle Bay Island, yeah. So he was a wacky morning zoo crew DJ before such a thing existed. Yeah. I'm guessing prank calling Herbert <laughs> Hoover.
1: Yes. Uh, So then, in the 50s, uh, it was sold again and became a hunting retreat for a while. It was called Riles Island during Mm -hmm. that time. And then Disney bought it.
0: I hope nobody hunted that poor crane.
1: (laughs) Well, I hope they took the crane, like, with them. It
0: was his only... Well, they they had a falling out.
1: Oh, yeah. So they left it behind. And then they were like, okay, I really don't like this crane. Now it's a hunting island. Go kill it.
0: (laughs) A jerk. But, But no, Delmar Nicholson, years later, is like... I've, I I have was such a fool. I have to go back. I have to go back for my one true friend. And he got there just before the crane was shot and saw it with his own eyes. Oh, man. Just wait for the movie. Well, you- now we
1: know Discovery Island. It's haunted <laughs> by a crane.
0: <laughs> the tears will not stop falling. Oh, it's powerful. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's like a grave marker there somewhere hidden away. That's dedicated to the crane.
0: Sometimes the show is about facts. Sometimes it's about animals that think they're people.
1: Uh, When Disney bought it, they uh, originally called it Blackbeard's Island. Uh, And this name can be seen on some of the early maps uh, before development started. Mm
0: -hmm. Which is weird because Ian McShane wasn't even born yet.
1: As they uh, started work on it, uh, 15,000 cubic yards of soil were added. uh, So they could increase the land Mm -hmm. and it opened uh with a name change to treasure island on april 8th 1974
0: which is weird because robert louis stevenson was long dead
1: and it had a loose (laughs) pirate theme so it was renamed shortly a couple years later in 1976 after some expansions and additions uh, to Discovery Island Which
0: isn't th- weird at all
1: <laughs> Got nothing <laughs> for that one Got nothing So they, they did remove the pirate references And they decided to focus on the animals And the nature of it mm-hmm. it's, I guess Discovery And not Animal Island I, the,
0: the Treasure Island theme does make sense Because it was one of Disney Picture Studios' yeah. first live action films yeah. yeah And you know Classic story regardless
1: Well, and they didn't go, like, too crazy with the theme to begin with. Like, the map and stuff originally had it in there, but a lot of the attractions didn't focus on that so much. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that they said that they were going to do that they, like, themed piratey, they never actually, like, built. (laughs) They changed it very quickly after. So, Discovery Island, though, closed to the public on April 8th, 1999. Um, But it did continue to operate until July 9th, when all the animals were finally relocated to Animal Kingdom or places outside of Disney. In regards to the island when it was Mm -hmm. operational. For those um,
0: 25 years. Yeah.
1: To get to the island, uh, you had to take a boat.
0: Naturally. it's
1: an island. Uh, You could take a direct one from the resort docks, or you could do, like, a cruise tour thing that would go, like, to the Seven Seas Lagoon and then Bay Lake, and it would stop at the island. Mm -hmm. And then attractions on it really were focused on the animals. They had... Swans, they had a bird show, cranes, lemurs, they had, um.
0: The descendants of that one crane.
1: Yes. Uh, they had Avian Way, which was apparently the United States' most extensive breeding colony of scarlet. ibis. Was...
0: And that was, I think, endangered?
1: Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure. That, uh, and that's no.
0: actual good science. Yeah. Good job.
1: Uh, they had pelicans, flamingos, and they had five Galapagos ter- tortoises. Now, in 1981, uh, it was made an accredited zoological park by the American Association of Zoological Parks and Aquariums. Oh. Which is really good.
0: So that means, like, they, they weren't exploiting or abusing the animals... Thank goodness.
1: At that point, no.
0: <gasps>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, they were also doing conservation things.
1: At that point, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, unfortunately, they do have a little bit of a bad history. And it's not like the Disney company. It was actually like some specific employees. Oh. The park faced uh, charges of bird abuse in 1989. After a two-month investigation uh, resulted in 16 state and federal charges against the company and five of its employees. Wow.
0: Why would you get this job if you hate birds that much?
1: Seriously. Some of these people seem to hate birds. So a big aspect of this revolved around the treatment of vultures. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: The least cuddly of birds, if we're going to be fair.
1: And the vultures weren't actually like, they weren't an exhibit. Like they weren't a thing they brought there type thing. (laughs)
0: They weren't just the locals?
1: They were like, yeah, they had an issue of, like, vultures.
0: And so... It's like the rich kids and the townies, but it's the employees and the vultures.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It originally came about that they were going to relocate the vultures. They were eating other animals, they were causing problems with the public, Mm -hmm. they were very territorial. They got, like, approval to do it, and they were, like, walked through the steps to do it. But basically... The people in charge of it that worked on Discovery Island, who was, like, in charge, did not do it the right way and became, like... They were a crazy person, apparently, because serious, like, animal abuse happened. Mm -hmm. And they were instructing a lot of their employees to follow through on this abuse. What? (laughs) It's like Um, the
0: Sanford vulture experiment. So,
1: they were charged with uh, issues of, like, lack of food, water, shelter... Uh, that they were confined to, mistreatment, and some deaths with these animals. Workers were acting under the direction of the curator, Charlie Cook. And mm-hmm. the vultures, as I said, were supposed to be relocated. And at least 120 were mm-hmm. like documented to be relocated. And during a visit, 19 vultures were found in a shed that was legally only supposed to hold three. And there were several that were dead in there. Mm-hmm. Investigation uh, would lead to... Finding out that this guy Cook uh, had like seventy-two vultures in there at one point, that he would instruct employees to kill them mm-hmm. uh, or like beat them. Vultures like,
0: will beat back, though. That I would hate to have that job for so many reasons.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was very um, a very bad situation and a mm-hmm. very bad time. Charlie um, Cook
0: was sentenced to uh being bound, gagged and thrown in a room with 19 vultures.
1: I hope so. <laughs> so it was not a very great time and not obviously great publicity or great things for the animals, but it was like an isolated thing. Mm-hmm. Like there aren't real not that I could find any other accounts of like animal mistreatment happening. Mm-hmm. This was like Cuz
0: they learned to cover it up better. Uh, Maybe Uh.
1: that's a bad thing that happened. An interesting thing, though, that comes came out of Discovery Island and its animals, though, Mm -hmm. and the fact that it did have like a zoological um, accreditation is that it was the home to uh, the last known dusky seaside sparrow, which died in 1987.
0: Like died, extinct, extinct.
1: Yes, the last one. Oh. So the dusky seaside sparrow is a non-migratory bird found in Florida's Merritt Island and along the St. John's River. And it's a subspecies of other seaside sparrows, um, very different coloring and song. Mm-hmm. It's thought that they were isolated from others like 250,000 to 500,000 years ago.
0: That's yeah. how you get speciation.
1: Yeah. That's how it works. This um, is not
0: a science show. You just got to trust me on this one. Listen to Blastro Podcast. There's a good evolution <laughs> episode. I was on it.
1: So the reason for their extinction. Guess what? Humans have a lot to play in this. The Merritt Islands were uh, flooded to reduce mosquito population around the Kennedy Space Center when it was being built.
0: Oh, and since they're not migratory, that's, well, that's all the habitat.
1: Well, that was their nesting grounds, yeah. Right, yeah. And so it drowned out all of that in the process, and their numbers dropped. hmm And then the marshes around the river were drained for highway construction.
0: So more habitat
1: loss. Yes. Uh, in addition, mostly the habitat losses, but also, like, pollution and pesticides played a role. Mm-hmm. Um, and by 1976, uh, there were 11 males that were counted in the St. John's marshes. Uh, And by the time the government decided to do anything to try to save the species, they hadn't seen a female since 1975.
0: Wow. (laughs) Those 11 males are just screaming, put me in the vulture room. I don't even care. I'm done.
1: So by 1979, there are only six remaining. Uh, Some crossbreeding attempts were made. Mm -hmm. um, But, you know, that can have a lot of issues of, of being able to breed and actually continue to do anything for a species in 1983 the last four were taken to discovery island where they continued to try crossbreeding and also so they could just live out their days yeah yeah uh the last one that died was believed to be between nine and 13 years old which is very old for a sparrow (laughs) as i said uh in 1987 it died but that's, like, kind of a really interesting thing that, like, they were a part of. Yeah. So you kind of think Discovery Island just be like, oh, yep, they have flamingos, they have these things, they have just all these. But, no, like, they have the last of a species.
0: <laughs> it, it does make it seem a lot less kitschy than one might think. Yeah. I'm sure the presentation probably still was, but that is a legitimate scientific uh, uh, oddity.
1: Yeah, and the fact that they were also, like, at that time the crossbreeding was still going on means mm-hmm. that there was some, like, Active zoological practices happening there, right? As we know, Discovery Island though got shut down. The, this is you might enjoy this,
0: sure. People
1: might enjoy this. I hope I enjoy. So this. So after it was, it was closed and you know no longer functioning in the late 1990s, Disney was meeting with Rand and Robin Miller, the creators of the Mist game, <laughs> uh, and uh, Richard Vander Wend. Uh, collaborator on the game who uh, did the follow up Riven?
0: Riven. Riven. The sequel to Mist. Riven. They the didn't sequel. call it Mist 2, they called it Riven colon, the sequel to Mist. Yeah.
1: So their idea was to turn Discovery Island into an interactive experience for Mist. <laughs> and it would be named Mist Island. And it would duplicate the look and feel of the game. And what would happen is every day a small amount of guests Mm -hmm. would be allowed to go to the island, taken by boat, and they'd be dropped off in the morning and the late afternoon. They'd be picked up and they would just be left to explore the ruins Mm -hmm. of Mist Island. (laughs) And uh, whatever happened to one person would be a very different experience than another person because there wouldn't be like a certain path they were supposed to follow, they were just supposed to wander.
0: It'd be like an open-ended adventure LARP? Basically. That's so cool, though! <laughs>
1: and Disney was super into the idea. They were, yeah. like, really going to do this. There was, you know, already a market for it, people who were fans. You
0: cannot overstate how huge Mist was. <laughs> there were more copies of this game sold than personal computers. Yeah.
1: Uh, Disney actually started, had their publishing house mm-hmm. uh, publish a coffee table book of art for Mist and <laughs> a series of novels about the game, uh, all kind of leading up to it. And it's stuff that the creators of Mist are really happy about because it showed that Disney, like, saw how important, like, the material was. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen.
0: <laughs> no, I... This is the first and I've ever heard of this.
1: Some of the, like, never really found out exactly why it didn't happen. Some of the speculation is the fact that it is only 11 ac- acres. <laughs> like, the logistical issues of, like, trying to build up what they need to build mm-hmm. and, like...
0: The, the world of mist is too great for your piddly little <laughs> island. Well,
1: more so Why the don't fact, you like, slap a
0: DJ down there and be done with it?
1: You're gonna have to have, like, construction equipment offshore... And, like, yeah, all kinds yeah, of crazy yeah. stuff. Also, the cost of the technology needed to make the right environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would really need um, kind of the best of the best technology. And there was just a lot of cost that went in. Nothing else was really released about why they didn't do it. <laughs> Um
0: it could be that Riven, the sequel to Mist, did not sell uh more copies than anyone could. Well, have it wasn't going
1: to be Riven Island, it was <laughs> going to be Mist Island.
0: I just mean the market was changing. Yeah. It's
1: Even though they knew that they had this big following for it, you know, because it's a limited amount of people, like the cost of you would have to have people pay for the ticket for it mm-hmm, to make mm-hmm. up the cost of operating it. They never said exactly how many people, but even if it's like a hundred people a day or something, that's still yeah very small. Uh, so Discovery Island sits abandoned to this day. Nothing has happened to it. One thing that's really cool is uh quite back in like two thousand nine, might have been a little before that. This photographer Shane Perez uh went to Discovery Island via River Country uh in the. Dark of night, and uh, <laughs> just a nice
0: night swim to an abandoned island. Yeah, that, in the middle of Florida swampland.
1: Yeah, he questions it afterwards in his blog <laughs> that you can read. He's like, "What was I doing? Please do not do what I did." <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, he has multiple blog posts about the experience with pictures of. The, what they found. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. You should go check it out. We'll link it. I think there now, have been a
0: few people who did, like, urban exploration. There's
1: been quite a few. He's the, the His is the, like, first one that went public mm-hmm. um, and, like, the most extensive. Oh, uh, okay. Kind of, like, in pictures and everything. Um, it's kind of the one that went, like, viral first that this was a thing. Yeah, yeah. And that really brought around... The knowledge that Discovery Island still sat there, not demolished.
0: All the buildings. Yeah. A lot of the furniture. Yeah. Just overgrown.
1: <laughs> and a lot of like what he found was it really looked like they closed up shop overnight. There was yeah. just like water bottles left behind, pictures left behind, like food, things that you think they would clear out. Big
0: but, pile of vulture skeletons.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really illegal to do that, first <laughs> off, to go there.
0: That's a lot of trespass. That's a lot of
1: trespassing. He was never charged, though, because the Florida Statue of Limitations is four years, and, like, he didn't come out with it till after that passed, I think.
0: Now that's what happens when you visit your local library. <sighs> Knowledge is power.
1: Uh, he is, however, banned from the parks for life. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happens if you go trespass where you're not supposed to be in Disney, is they ban you forever. <laughs> so, like, don't do it.
0: <laughs> well, he'll just go to Universal and then swim <laughs> overnight. <laughs> With a fake mustache.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that is the story of Discovery Island.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned something in there. Mm-hmm. What's a River Country?
1: River Country. That's what we're going to talk about next. Oh yeah. So River Country was the first water park at Walt Disney World. In some cases, some people consider it like the first water park like ever.
0: Depending on your definition,
1: on your definition, because like the pools and like water amusement thing, like community things existed,
0: mm-hmm. but the, the first big complex that is themed, yes, and and executed
1: uh, often, I believe, all it's, around
0: water rides and attractions.
1: Yes, and there's like I think a Universal thing that opened or something that some people usually try to give the title to, but River Country opened, I believe, just before,
0: mm-hmm. like by a
1: month or something. <laughs> Yes, it's the first water park at Walt Disney World. Uh, it was opened uh, right across fro- uh, on the mainland from Discovery Island by the Fort Wilderness campsites on Bay Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it opened June 20th, 1976 and closed indefinitely uh November 2001. And it was announced permanently closed in 2005.
0: I was going to say, yeah, I don't think it's coming back. No,
1: no. So it was a rustic themed water park. Mm-hmm. Uh, With like, like an old swimming hole feel Yeah Very much like kind of like
0: Banjo music
1: Tom Sawyer type mm-hmm. swimming hole thing It had like man-made boulders and like rock formations That were supposed to be like the slides and stuff It had a sandy bottom
0: And if you go, you'd have a sandy bottom too
1: uh, It also had a very unique water filtering system Uh, It used water from Bay Lake
0: It's right there, yeah. dang it
1: uh, and if you like look at it, it kind of looks like it's just a cove that's open to the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is not. It is isolated and has a barrier. And the park water actually sits higher than the lake.
0: Oh, okay. So, that so way- it's going to spill out, but not in.
1: Exactly. That's yeah, exactly yeah. how it's designed. So the water is pumped in through and filtered from the lake uh, into the cove, the rapids, the slides. And then it is actually the way it's made is that the cove water can spill out. Mm -hmm. Um, They also had like a regular swimming pool as well Mm -hmm. that was not fed from the lake. It's like a really cool kind of setup. And if you look at like some of the old pictures of it, it looks really neat because it does give that essence of like just swimming in the lake. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you're not. (laughs) Though, that's when I question a lot of, like, how did they keep the alligators out? (laughs) Because, you really, there's not a fence. You go to, like, the other water parks, there's giant fences. Mm -hmm. That one didn't have a fence. In 1989, uh, Typhoon Lagoon opened uh, and had more of everything. It was bigger. Yeah. More slides. Uh, And in 1995, Blizzard Beach opened, and that had even more.
0: I went there. I've been to that one.
1: This is the most... Time you've ever been in the water, and the whole time we've known each other, you tried to kill me on that one water slide. It's
0: not my fault. You went on
1: top, you it's like not- flipped on top of me. It's not my fault. The lifeguard was just like cheering us on, though we were practically drowning.
0: <laughs> it was a skilled dismount. You gotta work hard to look that bad
1: at it. Yeah. River Country in 2001, uh, you know, closed as it would normally do for the season. Mm hmm. Because a lot of times they close. For a few months of refurbishment one water park will stay open at a time uh and the other two will be on un- like being fixed for the season right uh and the plan was for it to reopen in the spring it didn't <laughs> april came and they were like uh, we am not gonna open it and then walt disney world said well we might reopen it eventually if guests like demand it back well they never did and river <laughs> country was not demolished uh, instead, it was left, like, Discovery Island, to just, just to be.
0: grow over in moss yeah. and lichen.
1: Overgrowth and. Vines. Vines. Trees. Trees. All that. Though this past year, in uh, 2016, Disney said they were going to drain and fill the 330,000-gallon pool. Uh, <laughs> finally. But they're still not going to demolish anything. They were just going to fill it because it's a safety hazard. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, you left that sitting there? For
0: 15 years and now you're going to get around to Mosquito
1: it. problems, come on.
0: <laughs> that's where West Nile virus came from. It came from river country.
1: Some people, uh, when you talk about river country, try to say that it closed due to brain-eating amiibos. Amiibos? Amoebas.
0: Amiibos. Amiibos are amiibos. The, the little Nintendo <laughs> yeah. toy.
1: As soon as I said it, I was like, that's not it. <laughs> it should be Amiibos. Amoebas, yeah, not so happy. Uh, now this is not the case. There was a case of a brain-eating amoeba <laughs> linked to the park.
0: Yeah, but that didn't close it.
1: <laughs> it well, it was one one time. It was an eleven-year-old child, and this was in 1980. Right. Uh, Associated Press reported that a child died. He was the fourth death in Florida from one of these that summer but it was the only one connected to Disney. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and if that was the reason they closed the park, why did it take 21 years?
1: Exactly. Like, that's not it. It's the only case that they ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing ever I mean, ever it's ha- not
0: great. I wouldn't want to swim there if it was still open.
1: <laughs> well, it's a little leery, but the thing is, like, the article from the Associated Press did talk about, like, it had to have been there because the kid hadn't swam anywhere else, but Disney's really can't be a fault because a brain-eating amoeba can... F- grow anywhere in a freshwater lake, pretty much, as long mm-hmm. as the conditions are right. There is no way to really stop it. <laughs> like, it can just happen. Right. Um,
0: and this is why the other two parks aren't fed from lake water.
1: There's that. Um, also, they do go through a you know, fil- filtration system. Yeah. So it's one of those things where the right conditions met that it could get past its system, but it's very rare and nothing else did happen. So, considering how much later it closed, that's not why it closed. Mm -hmm. And they must have been doing something to help fend that off. Um, (laughs) Now, some people also say that maybe the park closed because it had an awkward location, wasn't great for people to get to, and now there are these other parks.
0: That's true. I mean, it was competing against two bigger, nicer water parks.
1: Which does come into play. Big thing, though, is the park closed, you know, when it shut down, for the season. It was shortly after September 11th.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Walt Disney Parks were hit really, really hard
0: All after tourism that. and all travel. All tourism. Yeah.
1: All tourism was hit. Um, and so in the months following, they were cutting costs throughout the entire parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were laid off. Um, a lot of parks were, oper- parks were operating on shorter hours. Some resorts were closed. Things that were in the works were just canceled. So... They, had, they were cutting costs. And it makes sense that as they're trying to stay afloat during all this, that when it comes to reopening this park, they just say no. <laughs> and then as time goes on, like, you haven't had it operational. Mm-hmm. The amount of time and cost that would go into doing it, making it operational again might not be worth it. Right. So that's really what... Led to the demise of River Country. Um, (sighs) Part of it is still used. Yeah, Uh, the entrance gate is the gate to Mickey's backyard barbecue dinner show, (laughs) and the restrooms are in use as well.
0: Now that (laughs) sounds kitschy.
1: (laughs) So that uh, that is the story of River Country. Uh,
0: Not a river. Kind of in the country. (laughs)
1: Kind of. Kind of. So we're going to continue on, and we're going to talk about something else that's in the area around there, and that is the Fort Wilderness Railroad.
0: Are we ever going to get away from Bay Lake?
1: No. like Everything surrounds it. (laughs) Fort Wilderness Railroad. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, Now, Fort Wilderness is the campground and cabin Mm -hmm. resort that we talked about, and that opened in 1971. The railroad operated from 1973 to 1977, uh, and then occasionally until 1980. It was transportation around the campsites mm-hmm. and cabins. It was,
0: And as we've mentioned, Wald was a rail fan.
1: He was. He was very much a rail fan.
0: So Love them trains.
1: Yep. So it would get you from one end to the other. Now, they had four uh, steam trains trains that went through the campground. Uh, the trains were themed after plantation locomotives. So oh I know it's a bad name. It's a bad name. Huh. Uh, but that's an open air style car that moved food. Okay. So like sugar, cane and pineapples that was found on the Hawaiian Islands. Uh-huh.
0: Specific,
1: I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> that's what they were called. Not what I named no, is that's what they were called. So it was to give them transportation around the campsites and then also to river country. Mm-hmm. Now, it closed partially due to the size of the train's fuel tanks. Mm-hmm. They weren't very big. Right. Track problems due to the land it was built on. Also, uh, noise and pedestrian safety issues. <laughs> it said that a child was hit on a bike. What? <laughs> no,
0: you can't do that. This is why we're never going to the campgrounds. They got a deadly amoebas in the water. You'll get hit by a train.
1: There's no trains anymore. Just and you know what? grease
0: spot You're on not- the l and
1: <laughs> We can never talk about trains.
0: We can't talk about being hit by them. I know that much.
1: <laughs> also, about the brain-eating amoeba.
0: Yeah. You're
1: not allowed to swim in bodies of water in the Walt Disney World property. Yeah. Beaches, are only for sunbathing. Don't go in the water. This has been clear since like the 1990s.
0: And they've made it even clearer since last summer. Yeah.
1: Don't, don't go in.
0: There are some big things that might get you too.
1: It's Florida. Don't go in the bodies of water. I think that should just be assumed. So. After it closed, several of the cars were used in downtown Disney for ticket counters by Pleasure Island. That's cute. Uh, one was used outside Typhoon Lagoon for a while as well. Mm-hmm. Now the ones that were at downtown Disney, which is now Disney Springs, are gone and were sold to private individuals. Uh, Other
0: rail fans, yep. I imagine.
1: <laughs> and the engines were sold to various rail fans as well, uh, including some to the Carrollwood Pacific Historical Society they have like group ownership and stuff.
0: <laughs> I cannot imagine using these trains.
1: There there it's, is some one of the people who owns one of the that they talked about uh owning it does have like a personal railroad. <laughs> but I and mean, I'm like, like, how rich are you?
0: When when it was in use, when it was ferrying people from the front of the campgrounds to the back and the the uh water park. Uh-huh like being in swimwear is very uncomfortable for me. <laughs>
1: Well, you have quite the look when you're in your swimwear.
0: I don't want to be seen anywhere but a beach or pool or water park but you'll while you walk I'm... from
1: here to the beach with me in that outfit.
0: Yeah, because I'm very unhappy and I want to share it with the world.
1: <laughs> it is like the most amazing uh outfit.
0: But ever. just me and thirty other people like me just hanging out on a train to chunk chunk. At least ch-chunk. you're
1: all like going to the same place. <laughs>
0: Whenever I pictured it, it's surreal and I know it's entirely my own hang ups in beach fashion. I mean
1: we basically did the same thing on a bus going to Blizzard Beach.
0: Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> I liked being there. I didn't like going to and from.
1: And you didn't like anything there because you just had to walk around in your swimsuit. Well no, that's fine.
0: That's in context. Yeah. That's I'm already there. Everyone is wet. <laughs> yeah. It's fine.
1: So anyways. <sighs> so
0: you just mentioned something else.
1: Yeah. So I mentioned uh, some downtown Disney. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about a specific part of Downtown Disney, and that is Pleasure Island.
0: I got a feeling you really structured this episode like like dominoes.
1: I actually did it! It just came out this way, and I'm really proud of it. (laughs) Pleasure Island
0: is a strip club. No. It sounds like one. It
1: totally does. It was a section of Downtown Disney that were nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Not strip clubs, but nightclubs. There was also dining and shopping. Uh, it opened May 1st, 1989, uh, and all the clubs were closed in 2008, but stores and restaurants did remain.
0: Mm-hmm. The clubs themselves were not old enough to drink.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was really, really successful yeah. for quite a long time, uh, cause it was one pl- price for multiple clubs.
0: Oh, that's how they get you.
1: So yeah, it was like very popular attraction for adults. Mm-hmm. You could just go for the evening and go, and go try all the different places. Um, every night at midnight was celebrated as New Year's Eve. From uh, 1990 to 2005, they would have a big celebrate like fireworks and a big celebration as though it's New Year's Eve.
0: So I guess the clubs were old enough to drink before the end of their first month, really.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, June 2008, Walt Disney World announced that over the next two years, the clubs would be replaced with stores and restaurants. And they said it was not due to a decrease in attendance, but feedback that... Uh, We're tired of clubbing. People want more family-friendly places. It's
0: Groundhog Day out there. New Year's never ends.
1: (laughs) We need relief. All the clubs, as I said, closed that year in September. And parts of it were portioned off and other things were brought in. You could buy annual passes to (laughs) Pleasure Island. Like, you could just go clubbing every day if you wanted. Because you had a Pass.
0: This just seems like the dumbest Stefan sketch from Weekend Update.
1: It does. They've
0: got nothing except fireworks. The end.
1: I will say, though, like, if anything, it's kind of a great marketing thing Mm -hmm. to bring in locals, I feel like. Yeah. Like, if if you're the type of person that does like to go out to clubs, that's probably a great way to, like, do it Mm -hmm. and to entice those people to come to Disney and not go elsewhere. <laughs>
0: Pleasure Island's hottest club is 8-Tracks.
1: Yeah, so we're going to start talking. I would like you to do this for every name we get to, okay? So They've
0: gonna... got 40-year-old men in comb-overs and fanny packs. Uh, I and, miss Stefan. And that's pretty much it.
1: <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> uh, so yes, 8-Tracks was one of the clubs. It was a 70s and 80s-themed club that opened in 1994, and it replaced... Uh, A club that opened in 1989, that was a new wave club called Videopolis Videopolis East, and they had 170 screens that just played, like, the music. And then it was renamed Cage in 1990. So it was Videopolis East, Cage, and then (laughs) 8-Track.
0: So it started as an 80s club in the 80s, and it ended as a retro 80s Uh club. In (laughs) the
1: 90s. (laughs) So there's also the BET Soundstage uh, that was there from 1998 to 2008. It replaced my favorite name, Neon Armadillo, (laughs) a live country music band club.
0: You know, every Neon Armadillo has neon syphilis. That's true.
1: (laughs) Neon Armadillo, such a best (sighs) name. Uh, There was also Celebrate Tonight, which was an outdoor dance party uh, focused on family and kids. And that operated like... After it technically closed, it's what they did with, like, the area. Mm -hmm. They're transitioning it. Uh, There was a comedy warehouse, a nightclub with an improv troupe. Uh, That closed in 2008. Uh, It did very well. It got a lot of return audiences because Mm -hmm. it was improv. It changed every night.
0: And because not every tourist is from Chicago. Yep. You walk 10 feet and trip over an improv show that you were supposed to be at, but you lied, (laughs) saying you had other plans. Yeah.
1: There's also the Mannequin's Dance Palace.
0: What? (laughs) What? That sounds terrifying!
1: It was a techno-trance, multi-story, revolving light dance floor that had, like, people as mannequins dancing.
0: That still sounds terrifying! Right? I don't want to go there!
1: Uh, there was Motion, the top 40 music video place, uh, and that was replacing... Fireworks Factory Wild Horse Saloon, a country music, dance club, and barbecue restaurant. If it's a saloon, why are you
0: making fireworks there? That's poor planning. That's dangerous.
1: There's also the Pleasure Island Jazz Company with live jazz, uh, and that replaced the Raglan Road Irish Pub and Restaurant.
0: I hope they at least had live Irish bands.
1: Uh, This one's pretty great. There was the Rock and Roll Beach Club. It's a rock-themed dance club with uh, live bands. What it replaced, however, was the best. (laughs) XCFR, Rock and Roller Dome, a short-lived dance club where you put on skates and you dance to rock and roll. (laughs) Like
0: Every Thursday's roller derby night, watch out.
1: Like, some of these places sound amazing. Like, I would go to this club just to see, like, what that's like. Now, they also, the most popular place Mm -hmm. was the Adventurers Club.
0: Where you could shoot a man.
1: It was a 1930s-style British explorers club with (laughs) flamboyant characters portrayed by improv actors.
0: Everybody with, like, pith helmets and those big bushy mustaches. Yep, yep. I say, my good boy. Yep, so... (laughs)
1: Styled after a you know, private club of world travelers, set in 1937. Have it had animatronics, puppets, and the cast of adventurers who performed shows and mingled.
0: Good show, old sport. Let's go decimate some more heritage sites of these indigenous peoples. Ha ha ha. Yep. I shot a buffalo. It was the last one of its kind. Yep. I'm not really into the whole, like, scene. <laughs>
1: Part of it was centered around this whole story of a fictional legend who, like, created Pleasure Island. Uh, it was the previous owner, Meriwether Adam Pleasure.
0: Oh, oh, no. Oh, that's before they figured out that porn names are supposed to sound enticing.
1: Yeah. Oh. oh. Uh, so Disney Imagineers, uh, Roger Cox and Joe Rode. Joe Rode. Uh, yeah, who later did Animal Kingdom.
0: I love Joe Rody.
1: Uh They created the club. Oh, Joe Rode,
0: you've gotten so much better.
1: <laughs> uh, the club's unlikely hero, Emil Blehail uh was a semi autobiographical character Cox created. It was the little guy from Ohio who gains respect.
0: Okay, so you like made up this stupid ass club and then you put a Mary Sue in it? Yep. You you did
1: that? Yep. So it had, you know, like shows that were happening during the evening, different characters you could meet that it wouldn't only just mingle, but then you could go to different rooms and there'd be something mm-hmm. different happening. They were scheduled though To, like, have a break from stuff going on so people could go outside for the New Year's Eve thing. (laughs) Partly because the fireworks were set off from the roof of the building. (laughs) And they needed people, like, outside the building and not inside of it when that was happening. So when they announced the closure, it led to an online petition that got 2,750 signatures in 72 hours.
0: (laughs) All from Roger (laughs) Combs.
1: Did not save the place, but the Adventurers Club cast members have reunited for several performances since for special events. What do they perform? They just, like, bring back their characters.
0: and just smoke a lot of cigars and try to upsell you on the specials?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That is what uh, Pleasure Island was. And I'm pretty sure back at my mom's somewhere, we still have, like, the VHS tape that we got when we were planning our trip back in, like... 2000, that, like, mm-hmm. half of it was just about Pleasure Island.
0: <laughs> Meriwether Pleasure. Ugh.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Another thing at uh, Downtown Disney, which mm-hmm. Downtown Disney is no longer Downtown Disney. We it should talk been about
0: that. It's Disney Springs.
1: Yeah. Uh, so something that did exist at Downtown Disney was Disney Quest. Mm-hmm. We went to Disney Quest. We did. Disney Quest is basically a giant arcade. Mm-hmm. Now, it was supposed to be a chain. It was designed with the idea that people who may not be able to make it to the parks mm-hmm. would be their target audience. Since it was right. going to be a chain, and they'd open it in multiple places, big cities across the country.
0: Folks could just go and have their Disney Day yes. in their nearest metropolitan zone.
1: And basically a giant arcade that really has nothing else to do with Disney. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. Some of the stuff that was there was very outdated when we were there. But it was still cool. It was fun. There's lots of games to play. It's
0: conceptually cool. Yeah. But it's got sort of the same problem that, say, Future World and Tomorrowland have. Yeah. Time marches on faster than, than refurbishments.
1: I think the best part of it was, like, all the, like... Pac-Man and, like, the wreck it Ralph game and just, like, the very classic arcade games. The actual
0: arcade stuff, not so much their big VR experience, Yeah, that stuff wasn't very good. Yeah.
1: But, like, the the classic stuff, that, that was a good time. As I said, the plans were to construct uh, them in major cities across the U.S., but only two opened. Uh, on June 19th, 1998, uh, the one at Downtown Disney opened in the first Downtown Disney expansion. On June 16th, 1999, Disney Quest opened in Chicago. Yeah. It permanently closed though in 2001 due to low enrollment or low attendance. <laughs> Wasn't too popular no. in Chicago.
0: It's it- a furniture store now.
1: Yep. Across <laughs> from Italy, right?
0: They, yeah. They they kept the the building that was built for Disney Quest. Yeah. It's still there, but they sell furniture.
1: Yeah. The project to open across the country was scrapped after that. Including the Philadelphia location, which had already begun construction. Uh, The Downtown Disney location, however, continued to go. And it was announced in 2015 that it was going to close in 2016. But it did remain open until January 2017. So yes, now it's gone. And I believe it's like an NBA something now it's going to be. Or I think that's what the plan is. Something like that. NBA experience, which really does not sound that exciting.
0: It makes sense that it was part of an expansion that explains why it's way on the one end.
1: Yeah, how they were (laughs) trying to, like, grow it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the one thing with Downtown Disney. I mean, it's free to go to Downtown Disney. Like, it's shopping mostly in restaurants and all. You can just go. But it's kind of weirdly set up. Like, it's in, like, weird pockets. Because you can tell how they, like, built it in different Mm -hmm. areas. And, like, when we were there, Pleasure Island was still, like, a lot of it was closed off. They hadn't yet converted some of the stuff. And so there's just, like, weird dead space. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so that's Disney Quest. We have one more thing we're going to talk about. Okay. And it doesn't really segue. We're not really segueing here. Oh. Not like all my other ones that really went from one thing to another to another.
0: So that means we have nothing to do with Bay Lake.
1: No, we do. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of this actually really has to do with Seven Seas Lagoon. Oh. Which connects to Bay Lake. Yeah. So, uh, So what we're going to talk about is some resorts that never happened. Ooh. So there were three resorts that uh, were supposed to open that were scrapped after the 1973 oil crisis.
0: Mm-hmm. So just like River Country, they were done in by a big tourism slump.
1: Yep. Okay. Exactly. The three were uh, it was going to be the Disney Asian Resort. Mm-hmm. What they were actually going to call it, I hope, was not Asian Resort.
0: Well, I mean, there's the Polynesian Resort.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it was going to specifically birds of a feather. Apparently, the focus though was uh, the culture of Thailand. Uh,
0: So they couldn't just call it the Thai Resort.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, that's why it's like. Asian is a much broader thing
0: yeah are are we um, talking Kyrgyzstan are we are we talking yeah. Mongolia? Are we talking
1: so I assume that that's just the India? initial name as they were more in development because it did not get very far uh it was planned to open in nineteen seventy four there was land set like aside for it where it was going to go, but um, and that was where along the seven seas lagoon where the Grand Floridian now is. Uh-huh. Um but it didn't get very far. They they nixed that pretty quick because mm-hmm. things weren't going great. There was also the Disney Venetian Resort, which was supposed to open uh on the Seven Seas Lagoon, and the idea of that one actually hung around for a while even after they decided they weren't building it, they were still like, well, maybe we'll still build, like, a Venetian resort. Maybe we'll keep it. And then, like, late 80s, they were like, no, we're not going to do it. (laughs) Uh, There was also the Persian resort uh, that was specifically going to be uh, Iran.
0: Well, that's what Persia became.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So the Persian resort. There was a rumor that, through some paperwork that was found, that the, like... Ruler of Iran. The realm. Shah? Yes. Uh, I forgot his, like, name at the time. Like, the actual name of...
0: But, like, this would be the final Shah. We're yeah. talking right before the Iranian Revolution. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> uh, that he was going to fund it. Mm-hmm. But well, then, obviously, things happened.
0: He loved America and torturing his citizens. Yeah. Not sure which one he liked more,
1: frankly. So, that did not happen, obviously. The resort... Designs though did talk about there being a monorail running through it into tomorrow land, mm-hmm. which would have been interesting uh so those three didn't happen uh because of that mm-hmm. the oil crisis. There was also the talk of a Mediterranean resort that was proposed for the same area the Venetian would have been in, uh and the land was cleared to like start that process, but again, it never happened mm-hmm. uh, partially due. To, I guess the land that they were going to use was found to kind of be unstable with it oh, to being too marshy, ah. basically. And there was also the Fort Wilderness Junction that was sometimes called Buffalo Junction Resort. It was going to be between <laughs> Fort Wilderness and Wilderness Lodge. Uh, it was announced in the 1990s and was going to be an Old West themed. Uh, but the recession of 1992 made it postponed indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so those are a few of them. Uh, one other one, which we are going to end on here, is uh, about the Pop Century Resort, Okay. which kind of happened and kind of didn't. <laughs> well,
0: let's talk about this liminal state of existence.
1: So in the 1990s, uh, Walt Disney World opened the first value-priced resorts. You had mm-hmm. the All-Star Movie, All-Star Music, all-star sports—they yeah. did really, really well because they were cheaper.
0: Because some people just want a place to put their heads,
1: and some people at just night. don't got that much money. Yeah. So then they began development on the Pop Century in the ni- in nineteen like ninety nine. It was set to open in two thousand one. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be uh, kind of like two resorts in one. They would have the legendary years—the it would cover the nineteen hundreds to nineteen forties—and mm-hmm. then the classic years, the fifties through nineties. Again, after September 11th, uh, cuts happened to the parks and things change. Now construction on the two started at the same time, but you know then they had to start scaling back. The classic years did open in 2003, so mm-hmm. delayed from what they planned, but it did open. The legendary years lobby and buildings were almost complete. But not. But not. <laughs> uh, and the parking lot was done for it.
0: Oh, well, that's the important thing. <laughs> you got to finish the parking lot. Well,
1: they did get to use it for overflow for other things. <laughs> um, so these buildings were built, but they couldn't be in use because they weren't finished. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2010 um, that it was announced the legendary property would be redesigned and finished and redeveloped as the Art of Animation Resort which opened in 2012.
0: And has apparently been very successful.
1: Very, very successful. It's still considered a value resort, but a step up from it. It's a little bit nicer. Mm -hmm. uh, Has more deluxe rooms available. The design is beautiful on some of those places. (laughs) Um, The Pop Century is really interesting in concept because you only see half of what they have planned. Yeah. And you can kind of tell it's not complete. (laughs) Because, like, that's not a century. No, no. I mean, that's some of the Lost Disney things. There's more stuff out there. But Mm -hmm. I guess this is, like, part one. Yeah. One day we might get to more. So I guess the question is, what did you learn?
0: I mean, I learned what the heck Pleasure Island was. I really didn't know a thing about it.
1: Yeah, nightclubs. annual pass available. I, I should have looked up how much an annual pass to that cost. I'm curious.
0: Yeah. Uh Let's see. I, I didn't really know that um, Discovery Island was a legitimate thing. And I also didn't know that it was a super illegitimate gross thing. I... <laughs> I thought it was pretty middle of the road. Instead, yeah. it hit both extremes. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know about the, the bird abuse thing yeah. before I started all this. So that was a little shocking. Because people don't like to normally talk about that stuff. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I felt it was important.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess this goes to show that even with... We're talking about only 50
1: years. Yeah.
0: The, the tourism industry has to be so reactive... And reflective, Uh, even things like canceled construction projects can say so much about what happened nationally and internationally in those 50 years.
1: Well, and, like, people think of Disney as such, you know, a large company, which it is, that I think sometimes they think, well, it can't really be affected, Mm -hmm. but it can greatly be affected. Yeah. And the parks, you know, operate separately from the movies and stuff, and so if tourism goes down, like
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: It affects a lot of people, affects a lot of jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um Rogue One ain't paying for the parks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean it's gonna help bring people in for certain things, right. but it, yeah. It they, they're <laughs> that, not That's
0: a matter of synergy, not profit sharing. That's yeah, different. Yeah. Um Did did you learn anything while doing your researches, dear?
1: Well yeah, I learned uh about the uh the the sparrow. <laughs> I'd never heard about that before. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned some more about, I knew what Pleasure Island was. I didn't know about some of those clubs. (laughs) And I'm slightly sad some of them are, like, that roller skating, like, rock and roll thing. Like, I want to go with that. (laughs) And I guess I didn't really know, like, Pleasure, or Discovery Island was as legit Mm -hmm. as, like, I didn't know it had zoological accreditation and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, I learned some stuff.
0: Cool, cool. Well, we hope you learned some things as well. And we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with letters and business and announcements. See you
1: then! Yeah!
0: Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, hello. We got some letters. We do. The, the prompt for this episode was...
1: Summer local oddity or event or festival. Because it's, it's summer. It's, this is coming on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. It's like tell me about weird stuff where you're from.
0: Happy Independence Day, all you Americans out there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first letter came in from Alex and Faye. Uh, they share some wonderful lighthouse information, including... Ooh. The fact that Robert Louis Stevenson, who got a shout-out earlier tonight, uh, came from a long line of lighthouse keepers. Uh, As for favorite mayor prompt, uh, Faye's favorite mayor was the mayor of her hometown of Lyme Regis. And uh, Alex likes Hazel McCallion, uh, who was serving her first term as the mayor of Mississauga, Ontario, during the Mississauga Miracle. She was continually elected again and again until she retired at age 93, just a few years ago. For the most recent prompt, Faye uh, wants to talk about the Torchlight, a big gathering and procession where everyone carries a big flaming torch from the center of town to a nearby beach village to throw in a great big bonfire. That's something. Yeah. Sounds cool. Is that an ancient pagan ritual?
1: All I know is that would not be allowed in Chicago.
0: Well, we can only burn down the city so many times. Yeah. <laughs> where they live now is the home of the 12-hour endurance lawnmower race. What? Which is a thing.
1: Sounds like it would be something where we I grew up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but in other news, they've also visited their local animal shelter, and they Aww. sent plenty of pictures of Freddy, their new kitty cat Freddy, Who has this little black spot near his chin that's very cute.
1: Freddy's very sweet. Congratulations on your new family member. And
0: thanks for the letter. Peter writes in with a bit of a combination, both Muvia and a mayor story. Uh, When Monty Python's Life of Brian was released, a bunch of people banned public screenings of the film. Now, way later, in 2009... The mayor of Aberystwyth, uh, Sue Jones Davies, wanted to have a public charity viewing, only to be told that the film is still technically banned in town, (laughs) 30 years hence. Uh, She managed to get enough interest going to not only get it screened at the local cultural center with special guests Michael Palin and Terry Jones. Now, she was able to get so much attention, not just, you know, because of classic film and and, and anti censorship or whatever. But because she appeared as Judith Iscariot in the same film. <laughs> so there you go. The, the the naked lady from Life of Brian. Yeah. Uh, she, she became a mayor. How about that?
1: Hey. Okay. Good for her. Thanks, Peter. Uh Final Gamer sent us an email. First off, they are very excited about our daily Episode Mayor mm-hmm. um, Daly. The us- episode they never knew they wanted. They
0: usually come out every 14 days, so this <laughs> one was pretty special.
1: Yeah. Uh, to answer um, the latest prompt, uh, favorite summer event is the World Pipe Band Championships, which is held in Glasgow every August since 1906. Uh, 230 bands from around the world compete with bagpipes and drums in a series of events, which sounds pretty cool and some of these events include like best medley and uh the best drum major uh and various things like that and final game also uh was listening to the iroquois theater fire episode again and it seems you had a prophecy that came true yeah where uh i have talked almost about all the elements (laughs) i had the eastland disaster the water
0: dying underwater
1: The Iroquois fire.
0: Dying in a fire.
1: And now we have the November gales. Dying
0: to wind.
1: So now I have the challenge Mm -hmm. of figuring out how the earth has killed people in Illinois. Specifically Chicago.
0: If we want to be strict about it, yes.
1: I will do this. (laughs) I have accepted the challenge.
0: Thank you, Final Gamer. Joanne wrote in to tell us about some more Daily Facts, uh, specifically how he was immortalized by uh, Chicago folk singer Steve Goodman. Uh, He had a a bit of a minor role in our Cubs episode, Uh if you'll recall. So if you want to look up the song Daily's Gone from Steve Goodman, uh, yeah, that definitely comes with our recommendation as well. As for the prompt, Joanne is from Washington, D.C., and so in summer... Uh, one tradition they have is that Congress is out of session for the entire month of August. So the whole place just sort of empties out. Congressmen go back to their districts to either meet or hide from their constituents. Yeah. So nobody's trying to go to their offices. It, it's just an empty town. A, a lot of the business ain't being business. Yeah. And thanks to Joanne for... Sharing sex archie with, with yeah. all your friends. Yeah.
1: And for writing. Yeah. Uh, James sent us an email. Uh, James is from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Uh, and
0: they keep busy.
1: <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, so one week in July, uh, Oshkosh, which is home to the EAA Air Venture, uh, a festival about, about aviation hosted by the EAA Museum, which was an airport originally. And people from all over come, uh, and it's so highly attended that uh, many people in the town rent out their homes and leave during it. (laughs) It's Um, a
0: big Airbnb time of year.
1: Yeah, Uh, Oshkos also has their own carnival called Sawdust Days, uh, (laughs) which comes from the time when the city was a lumber giant. Uh, They also have a bunch of concerts, uh, such as Country USA, Rock USA, Waterfest, Irish Fest. And uh, another one called Splash Cosh, which is amazing, Uh festival that has live music and a 200 foot s- slip and slide uh, hosted by Red Arrow Park and Garbage Hill. And Garbage Hill was a landfill that became a hill, became a hill. <laughs> so some really interesting facts about where you live. Awesome job, James.
0: Seems like there's something every weekend up in Oshkosh.
1: Yeah, sounds like a good place to be.
0: (laughs) Thanks for the letter, James. And if you would like to send us a letter, if you'd like to uh, contribute to the prompt, if you'd like to give us a show suggestion, we got a pretty great one this week from Final Gamer as well. Uh, Or a question, or whatever, you can send those emails to...
1: Uh, HistoryHoney'sPodcast at gmail.com
0: Mm-hmm. And our prompt for our next episode, I want to know everybody's favorite detective. Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh. Sh- do, do you have an answer to this week's prompt? Uh, do you
0: have a favorite
1: uh, summer weird thing?
0: I kind of like the air and water show because we've never gone.
1: But we see it.
0: And we just see and hear it all the time. And like the, the one time we walked, uh, we, we were on a different beach. just going to the beach yeah and while we were walking home the blue angels just went overhead
1: yeah i like all the tourists who don't know what's going on and get really concerned (laughs) (laughs) why did a fighter jet just fly (laughs) overhead and like oh it's just an air and water show
0: whatever no big deal yeah so darling, how about you
1: it wasn't my town but not that far away from where I grew up, there was the Bologna Fest. <laughs> it was a festival that celebrated celebrated baloney. and they also had cardboard boat races. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, good old 4-H county fair.
0: Yeah, nothing odd about that.
1: Uh, not odd. Well, there's odd things there. Some <laughs> of those crafts kids make, man. <laughs> Gotta question some of it
0: all right so yes uh let us know if you have a favorite detective or uh-huh. anything else on your mind that you think would be interesting to be read at the end of the episode too. history honeys podcast at gmail.com yes you can also get in touch with us on facebook on twitter on instagram
1: uh-huh at history honeys for
0: each of those three yeah And while you're at it, uh, one of the best things you can do for us online is giving us a rating interview in iTunes and Stitcher, wherever else you find us. It helps so much, and we appreciate every single one so, so very much.
1: Yes. And you can also tell a friend. It is the time of family reunions and seeing friends and going to the beach and meeting random half-naked strangers. (laughs) Tell them about our show. Mm -hmm. Let them know that history is cool. Mm-hmm. And they should listen to us.
0: Okay, you you go to your Fourth of July uh, uh, barbecue at six. Uh huh. Fireworks aren't until nine ten. There is
1: time to listen to a podcast. Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> so do it.
0: Check it out. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess one last time, Happy Independence Day to all yeah. our American listeners. Yeah. Uh, and we missed Canada Day. I'm sorry. We did. Um,
1: happy. Deleted Canada Day.
0: I don't know what sort of national festival Portugal has, but according to our analytics...
1: If there is right around now.
0: Like, one in three of our downloads comes from Portugal, apparently, and I'm so confused by that. Happy
1: Portugal Day.
0: (laughs) But I do appreciate it for whatever's going on there.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I guess that's it. I'm Grant. And I'm Elena. And
0: history's better with with your honey. honey.